Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're talking about nutrient timing for running performance. Learn about what to eat, when to eat it, and how much to eat to help you fuel your long-distance endurance runs. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome everyone, uh, I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen and as always uh, we like to share something personal about uh, ourselves or our running with you so I'm going to start off by asking Karen a question to get us going. Um, so Karen, uh, what do you eat during training uh, particularly when completing long endurance runs? Gosh, Aileen, well, that has varied over the years. Um, when I first started doing endurance running, I didn't actually have anything. Um, and when I think back now, it was just so foolish because I was putting myself at such risk of, of injury, illness, um, poor performance as well. Um, and that has sort of gone from nothing to producing my own um, rice bars, because um, I know that white rice is a, a, re- a really good source of, of quick release carbohydrates. And so I made these bars and took a couple out with me. Well, I got into such a mess. They were sticky. They started to fall apart. My pouch was a mess and it was such a faff. I thought never again. So so now what I found is that uh, medjool dates are the best thing for me because they're they're easy they're natural they're compact and um and and also they're naturally high in quick release sugars so one medial date contains about 18 grams of, of carbohydrates quick release carbohydrates which is really high for such a small um food really so i tend to have that but i do tend to take sort of a, a flapjack with me or something like that with me as well because just for something different to eat because um i find that the dates can become a little bit sickly that the, the longer the distance i'm running and it's just nice to have a bit of a change so that's what i tend to do these days and it seems to work and i'm happy with it so i'm sticking to it but how about you aileen what what's your go-to food when you're out doing your endurance runs 
Yeah, well, like you, when I started running, I mean, I didn't do anything during training runs and I might practice with a couple of gels maybe one or two weeks before a race, um, but I never really got on with gels, didn't really like using them. Um, although I did find that the sort of jelly cubes, I found it easier to manage. Uh, but in more recent times, you know, particularly since you and I have been working together, um, my go-to really is the dual dates because I find them so super easy to, they're always available. They're in my cupboard. Uh, I wrap them in greaseproof paper so I don't get sticky fingers when I'm out. And uh, that sort of is a quick, easy thing for me to do. Um, I don't tend to do the super long endurance runs that you do. So maybe I don't need as much, but I do like the idea that you mentioned there about the flapjack. And I might, I might try that, um, and see mm-hmm. how I get on with that over the next, uh, few weeks and months and see if that gives me something a little bit different. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that, um, it's interesting to hear what you do. And, and obviously it's a topic that's linked to our episode today, which is nutrient timing for performance. Um, which I think everybody's interested in, you know, we're all as endurance runners, uh, we all want to perform better and we know that nutrients are important, but we're maybe not sure about what to eat, when to eat. Um, so can you give us a little bit in more of an insight into what nutrient timing actually means? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. You've kind of alluded to it there. So just simply put, it's, it's nutrient timing is eating specific nutrients. And we're, we're speaking mainly about protein and carbohydrates here. And it's about eating them in specific quantities at specific times. And that's to support training and to support performance. So it's those three key areas that we're looking at when we speak about nutrient timing. Right. So it's what we eat, it's how much we eat, and it's when we eat them. Um, so let's break that down, Karen, and, and can we start at the end there and, and think about the timing to begin with? Because that's really the title of our episode here. So what are the specific timings that we need to think about and why is it important? Yeah, so so the times that we need to be looking at introducing um, the key foods are pre- training, during training, and also post-training. However, within these three timings, you've also got more specific times for the, the, the specific nutrient intakes. I don't know if that sounds a bit confusing, Ailey. Yeah, like, like three. So we've yes, got, yes. We've got the second three that we've got so far. Um, so could you give us an example, Karen? Yes, that might help actually to explain it a bit better. So let's, let's take a look at during training. And remember, I am talking here about long endurance runs. So runs sort of lasting two hours or more. Um, and the idea is that it, that we're taking on food at this point to ensure glycogen, um, which is our stored energy from carbohydrate. We're, we're ensuring that it's spared. Um, and, and so what we're doing during the, the, our training is to take on quick release carbohydrate foods as early as possible into the run. So, and that helps keep the blood glucose levels topped up. So less need to go into our, our glycogen stores. So that would be the easy way of explaining that. So that's the reason for doing it. 
and and what we need to do is to take on um quick release carbohydrates as as i've said within 45 minutes to an hour into your run and this is what research is suggesting is the optimal time to be starting to introduce these carbohydrate foods so you start taking them on board. Again, it will vary for different people, but usually between 45 minutes and one hour. And then eating at 45 minute to one hour intervals thereafter throughout the run. So this will, again, support the glycogen sparing. Now, like I say, this this will vary from person to person, but this is a rough guide, a rough outline of how it should look. Okay, so that's really um Good to know. So what we're saying is that nutrient timing takes into account what we do pre, during and post training. So those are the three sort of time sections that we're thinking about, those time frames. Um, so could you give us an example of what runners need to do during training? So that's during a run. Yes. Um, so say that again, Aileen, what was the question there? Yeah, so what you were saying was that um, we're going to talk about food a little bit later on, um, but can you talk about how much of a specific nutrient, say carbohydrate, a, a runner needs to consume um, during a run? Um, can you give us a little bit more detail there? Um, you mentioned about sparing glycogen. Are, are there any other reasons? That- oh, I see. So, so, so what are the key reasons for... T- for taking on food, why do we speak about nutrient timing and everything? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, sorry, Alien, I just misunderstood the question there. Yeah, so what I would say here is that nutrient timing uh, is important, but it may not be important for everybody. Um, it depends what their goals are and what their running distances are and also how many times they're training per day. So short, easy runs, maybe people who are doing up to, to 10Ks, things like that. Nutrient timing may not be quite as key. It's going to be about an overall everyday optimal um, nutrition food intake. But the principles of nutrient timing for those more endurance runs and the endurance training up to sort of marathon level that it's again it's split into the pre the during and the post and and the key principles um for pre-endurance training training is to preserve that stored glyco- glucose like i was speaking about before that glycogen and that's predominantly um stored in the liver and the muscles but it's also to prevent the use of protein for energy so if we don't have enough um glucose or glycogen in the body, then the body will start to break down muscle to get at the protein to use as energy. So that the reason for that nutrient timing pre-training is to ensure this doesn't happen. So we're preventing it to protein being used as energy. Um, but also to sustain performance. That is the, the, the key throughout all of this is about sustaining performance and also to provide sufficient energy. So the calories that is needed for the training session. Right. Okay. So we're, we're the main reason is to prevent this muscle breakdown and also to make sure that we've got enough energy stores to be able to sustain us. So that, that's really looking at the pre, um, pre-training, pre-running. So now can we talk about the, the main whys for doing this for during training, which I suppose is quite obvious, really. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think we kind of spoke a little bit about it before, Aileen. So it's about topping up the blood glucose levels so that we can try and preserve the glycogen, the stored glucose for as long as possible during the run. So because we're going to definitely have to to tap into those as an endurance run goes on and on. So, for example, towards the end of a, a marathon, it doesn't matter how much we try and take on every hour, it, 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 we're going to need to tap into the glycogen stores towards the end. So it's about preserving that as much as possible during the run. But again, it's about maintaining performance um, and also to, to help prevent that muscle breakdown that I spoke about um, during the, the pre-endurance training. So we want to sort of prevent catabolism happening. Yeah, and I suppose in layman's terms, it's about not getting yourself into the stage of running on empty. Absolutely. Is that the way of describing it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So what about the after a training run? Because often we forget to do the right things after a training run. Yeah, and that's really true. And a lot of people have difficulty eating straight after um, a training session, but it, it it is really, really important. And again, it's about replenishing the glucose stores, the so that glycogen again. And and the reason we want to to uh, um, so to replenish that really quickly is so that we're we're ready and prepared for that that next training training session. And for some people, that could be in the same day, or it could be um, the, the the next day. But if we're so depleted, it and and we don't sort of replenish it quickly enough, then we could go into the next session already in a depleted state. But it's also about um, supporting the repair of muscle. It's about supporting the immune system as well, because that is going to be affected, especially in endurance running. It also will help prevent um, that delayed onset muscle soreness. So the DOMS that people can experience the following day or the day after that has happened sometimes. Um, and, and so it's kind of helping to speed up the recovery uh, and to support that subsequent training sessions that I was speaking to you about. And, and also all of this will um, support that training adaptation. So so making sure that you're you're taking on enough fuel and enough food will help the body to um, to adapt to um, training and making it more efficient, again, supporting performance at the end of the day. Wow, so it's really a very powerful tool uh, for a runner mm. to think about nutrient timing. So we're not just thinking about how it's going to affect our performance during a run or a race, but it's also going to be supporting injury prevention as well as a speedy recovery. So I can see uh, why it's a concept that everybody needs to really understand and learn how to apply. Mm. Um so have you got any insights um, or specific points that a female runner should know about nutrient timing, Karen? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Aileen. I think generally with nutrient timing, it's similar for men and women. What I would say here is the amount of food being consumed will differ between males and females and between males, uh, male on male, and also between females. Um, because it's calculated um, using the current body weight as, as um, and their goals. So it is going to make a difference between males and females, but also within 
the female group. Um, I think the other thing women need to, to think about is, um, and they'll need to consider, is the menstrual cycle because an increased energy intake is generally required during that menstruation um, part of the cycle. So that is something for, for the female runner to, 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 to be thinking about, definitely. Right. So it's good to know that there's a, a female angle here. Um, mm. So that's brilliant, Karen. So what we're going to do now is just pause the conversation uh, for a short advert break, uh, just to let everybody know a little bit more about uh, what what we do outside of the podcast. So our podcast is sponsored by Runners Health Hub. Um, Runners Health Hub is where uh, Karen and I offer a range of services, which are there to help you be a fitter, faster and stronger runner. Uh, we'd love to uh, for you to take a look at the Runners Nutrition Zone, which is hosted there. Uh, it's an online program and it's got lots of short videos, recipes and downloads, as well as invitations to live sessions to help you put easy nutrition into practice. So if uh, if today's topic's been of interest to you, you might feel um, it would be uh, an added advantage to uh, join the Runners Nutrition Zone. And you can find all the details at runnershealthhub.com. So, so that uh, brings us back to thinking about nutrient timing and why it's important for a runner. So, Karen, um, you talked about the specific timing of food during training. Um, could you give us more specifics about the timing pre and post training? Yes, absolutely, Alien. So, so pre-training and just remembering that we're speaking about endurance running here. It is, it's thought that um, eating approximately one to two hours before the run is optimal. Now, again, it's all very individual, as we know, but this is sort of a rough guideline. Um, if it's a run up to 90 minutes at an easy or steady pace, it could be completed in the fasted state. Now, studies have found that that this is really good at encouraging the body to utilise fat as fuel. So just going back to that preserving glucose, preserving glycogen when you're doing, say, a marathon, then if you can encourage the body to utilise fat as fuel, that is another way of helping to preserve the glycogen stores. So up to 90 minutes, it could be done in a fasted state. Beyond that, and certainly two hours onwards, then you would be wanting to um, to, to, to take on um, fuel beforehand. Okay, but what would you do if your run was less than 90 minutes, but it, say, it included some speed training or tempo running or hill hill drills? Would Would you complete that in a fasted state? Ah, oh, good point, Aileen. No, no, I would say that shouldn't be uh, completed in the fasted straight, uh, the fasted state. Um, any technical or skill based running needs to be sort of fueled because you're, you're using a, a different macronutrient substrate and there's more of a dependence on carbohydrates at this point. And as we know, the, the, the storage of, um, carbohydrates. So in that, glycogen form is is limited and if you've done an overnight fast as we all naturally do um after dinner until we get up in the morning at that sort of a fasted time then a lot of the glycogen stores may be used up and so um 
because we need that carbohydrate substrate for the technical running, it's really important that we take some on board before going out. So that is a different concept again, Aileen. Yeah, so we've really got to think about what we're going out to do and then deciding, you know, from there what what it is that we need to eat to um, help with our nutrient timing. So it's sort of linked into our activities, not just the amount of time that we're going to be out there. Absolutely. Okay, so can you tell us a little about the nutrient timing following training? Yes, yes. So that's the other, the third bit of all of this. So it's thought that, um, again, this is all research and study based. It's thought that the, um, the body is most receptive to glucose uptake and glycogen replenishment within that 30 minute window, uh, immediately after training. So eating immediately afterwards is highly recommended. And I know that, that people do find this quite difficult. Um, but it is about training the digestive system to try and receive the food and accept it. Uh, because again, that is going to really support the, the, the recovery and then that energy availability for the next training session. Yeah, I, I find this really uh, fascinating and it's something that really resonates with me because I always find it difficult to eat immediately after a run or a, especially a, a long endurance run. Um, so can we just summarize again? So I'm just going to say this out loud and you can correct me uh, if I need to be corrected. Um, so yeah. it's recommended that you should eat uh, one to two hours pre an endurance run. Um, and this could be a personal choice depending on, I suppose, what time of day it is and what you're eating before you're running. Um, but also you should also eat following a run and it's best to eat immediately afterwards. And the reason for that is that will optimise the glucose uptake and the glycogen storage. Um, so is that the correct way I'm thinking, Karen? Yeah, absolutely, Ailey. Yes, yeah. Good. Okay. Glad I got that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're doing really well. You've clearly been listening. <laughs> well, I know it's important and it's something that I'm quite more attention to. Um, so, so now that yeah. we've, uh, we've covered all of that, could we look at, um, what we should eat and how much we should be eating in those three time phases, the pre, during and post training? And we've talked about the macronutrients, the protein, the fats and the carbohydrate. Um, so can we have a look at how much we should be eating pre-training to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so generally we're looking at how much to eat pre-training. When we're doing this, it's calculated using body weight, as I suggested before, and that's used as, as a guide. So, so to give you an example of that, if eating, if eating two hours before a really long run, the idea is that um, an individual would eat two grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrates. That's what's recommended. And, and because they're, you're eating, they're eating sort of about two hours before a race, it's recommended that more complex carbohydrates are, um, are eaten at that time. So more of the slow release carbohydrates to keep, um, to keep the individual sustained and the, the blood sugar balance, um, even at that point in time. So that's sort of 
roughly two hours beforehand, and that's two grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrate. Okay, so could you give us an example, Karen, just so that we can understand how that would work? Yeah, so so an example would be, um, so for example, a 50 kilogram female um, that was having um, two grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrate would be looking at having 100 grams of carbohydrate foods two hours before they were to to they were to run. And I must stress that this is very individual and the amount of carbohydrate might not suit everyone. It really has to, you really have to take into consideration their lifestyle, their goals, also their age will be um, important to think about. And also any digestive symptoms and conditions, because it might be that they couldn't, an individual couldn't eat that amount of carbohydrates two hours beforehand. So that would all need to be thought about. Um, and also here, if a person was eating one hour beforehand, then clearly less food would be required. So the closer you get to, to the run, then the less food would be required. And also it would need to be sort of more quick release carbohydrates rather than the slow release carbohydrates. Right. So it's all that's where the timing bit comes in, isn't it? It's like about, you know working back from your start of running uh, will help you, guide you into how much carbohydrate and the type of carbohydrate that sh you should have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, uh, go on. Sorry, Karen. Yeah. What I was just going to, you were saying there about uh, working back, Aileen, and the timing of, um, of, of when you're eating. That's absolutely right. Because, sort of the, the further back you go um, from the race, then the more food potentially you may require. So, for example, if we looked at four hours before a race, if you were getting up and eating, which some people do, getting up and eating that at that amount of time before the race, then the guidelines are sort of thinking about four grams per kilogram um, of of body weight of carbohydrates before the race. Now that is a lot of carbohydrates, um, even for a light person who's only fifty kilograms. Can you imagine if it was somebody that was um, sort of heavier? That's a lot of carbohydrate food. So they may want to split that between having some at four hours and then some at two hours. So does that make sense, Aileen? How it can be staged? Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm like thinking, I mean, you, you mentioned about how you might do it on a race day, but I'm thinking also, if you were going out for an endurance run in the evening after work, you might be thinking about staging your carbohydrate intake from lunchtime, you know, what you're having at lunchtime, and then again, maybe what you were having a couple of hours before you were going out on your run. Um, so exactly. I think that's a really helpful way of thinking about it. Um, now, the, the person, the example you gave there was uh, somebody who sounds like she was an elite runner at 50 kilograms. Uh, but what about um, what about her other the immortals of which I am one? Um, so could you give us an example of somebody a bit heavier just so that we can understand the calculation again? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. You're absolutely right. That is sort of a lightweight. But if you've got sort of like a, a club runner or a county runner or whatever, then then they're going to be wanting to be as light as possible, but still within healthy limits. But like you say, like an average 70 kilogram runner, if they were eating 
two hours before a run, then it would still be two grams per kilogram of body weight. So for that individual, you're looking at 140 grams of of carbohydrates now again that is quite a lot of food so they may want to they may want to stage that and have half of it two hours before and then the other half um an hour before so um 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 yeah thinking about it that way and again like you were saying if it's an evening run again having half at lunchtime and then um the other half as a as a, as a mid-afternoon snack before doing their evening race their, their evening yeah. run yeah, great. That makes sense. Um, so can we talk about protein and how that fits in? Yes. Now, that's that's a really good question, Aileen, because we do tend to speak a lot about carbohydrates, you know, because it is the the main fuel. But when looking at um, pre-training nutrition, and especially when looking at eating two hours, three hours, four hours beforehand, then protein is really important. And the, the reason that you're taking on or you can take on protein at this time is because you want to really support the muscles as you go into your training. Um, and, but also that the body still has the time to digest it and absorb it. So protein, um, t- takes longer to digest and absorb it. But if you're eating it two hours, three hours before a run, then you are going to have the time to digest it. What I would say here is, and I think I may have mentioned it before, the closer time gets to the start of the run, the more the food does need to be um, containing quick release carbohydrates and no protein because you want the digestion to be and absorption to be really speedy. Because uh, as you go into the run, you don't want to be having any digestive reactions. So that's the main reasons for that. Okay, I get it. So the further away from the start of the run, the more complex your food can be with the added proteins and presumably some fats too and some slow release carbohydrates. And just to clarify, the slow release carbohydrates are those complex carbohydrates like whole grains and, uh, you know, things like brown rice and that type of thing. So and then the closer you get to the beginning of the run, that's when you would add in the quick release carbohydrates. Uh, So that would be something like a banana or maybe some raisins, that type of thing. Yeah. So great. Okay, I think we've got that. Um, So what about post training? Um, What what's recommended? How much is recommended? Yeah, so immediately post-training, um, again, you still want the food to be that quick-release um, carbohydrate food and, and only that. So similar to what you're eating um, during during a race, uh, during a, a, a run, um, and you don't want any added protein at this time. So examples there could be the banana and the raisins that you spoke about, Aileen, or some honey or mango slices, something like that. Um, there's no... Sp- specific amount to eat um, at this time. Um, it is very individual. And, and again, because um, people find it difficult to eat post training, then building that up is going to be really important. So it could be a sort of a really small amount. And then each time you go out in training, sort of thinking about increasing it. And, and my suggestion would be sort of thinking about leading up to 30 30 grams of quick release carbohydrate after the 
after the um the run but again that is just a that's just my guideline that's not sort of coming from any any science there um, and the idea is then within that first 30 minute window you're having the quick release carbohydrates like i say and then eating again one to two hours after the run but this time thinking about the protein intake and including that in a ratio of four to one so four parts carbohydrate to one part protein. And you're wanting to bring this in, uh, the protein in now to continue supporting the, the glycogen stores with the carbohydrates, but also thinking about the recovery and the repair of muscle. And the protein is going to be really key in that. Okay. So, so I think the tip there is if you're not used to doing it, add it in gently so that you start building mm-hmm. the confidence to, to eat something after uh, immediately after a race and then uh, the important thing after that is to add in this um, carbohydrate protein based snack anything after an hour to support recovery and muscle repair um so so yeah it's getting there's quite a few concepts here to apply isn't there Karen? Mm. there certainly is yes yeah. yes yeah, but i suppose you know we, we are um creatures of habit aren't we runners so I think if you know that you go out for a run at a certain time of the day you could actually spend a little bit of time planning this out and working a a routine for yourself so uh, exactly and then yeah and it would then just become a habit you know as we know it takes time to change a habit and to form a habit so it, it 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 will take time but you know soon enough will become a habit therefore take up much less time in the preparation Okay, so can we have a now have a look at how much a runner should eat during an endurance run? Yeah, so we've spoken already about um, the fact that it needs to be um, a quick release carbohydrate. I think we spoke about that a little bit earlier and it is really vital here as well. The same as that 30 minute window um, after training, during training, you want it to be quick release. You don't want any protein or anything else sort of interfering with that digestion and absorption process because you want that to be happening as quickly as possible. So, um, and studies have found that having eating between 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour would be sufficient for most people. So most of us going out running, that's going to be um, sufficient. We're not speaking about elite runners here who, you know, again, research has found to, 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 um, or it's found that some elite runners can consume up to 90 grams per hour but that is really rare I'm not sure that there are actually many elite runners that do have that amount per hour but the research has suggested that you could so um but again it, it the intake would really need to be personalized and and individuals would really need to build up to that 60 grams an hour because that is quite a lot of food and it's it's also about the practicality of it as well consuming that amount of carbohydrates what form of carbohydrate is the carbohydrate going to take you know you spoke about the jelly blocks there's the gels there's yeah. drinks there's food there are so many different ways of um, of doing that and I think practice and training is really important so that when somebody goes into race day the protocol is exactly right it's exactly what they need and it isn't going to cause any digestive issues wow yeah so what you're saying is that the, for the majority of runners uh, we should 
consume anything between 30 grams and 60 grams of quick release carbohydrates and that should be between every 45 and 60 minutes during training and that's something that we should practice and, and fine-tune and know that it works for us um but you know to, to take on more carbohydrate you're likely to have to be an elite athlete and, and it's quite rare to have to have a need yeah. that much carbohydrate during an endurance run um so yeah it's amazing um lots to think about here karen lots to practice um but just before we close could i ask you again just to summarize what the key takeaways are for today yes absolutely so my key takeaways i suppose would be firstly that nutrition is important in the pre the during and the post training phase so and they're all equally important um and and they're equally important to help sort of fuel your training assist in the recovery repairing muscle and also that prevention of injury um i think it's important to remember that carbohydrate is the key nutrient for fuel but protein is also important at key points especially that pre and post training Fat intake, it doesn't really change that much, but it's just important that people take on board an adequate amount and also in the form of quality food sources. That would be key here. And also worth remembering that omega-3 fats are important anti-inflammatory nutrients. So that's going to also support the recovery, the repair and help prevent um, injury and illness. So they are important, although they're not used strategically um, in pre, during, post. Overall, they're really important in the in the diet as well. And lastly, what you eat and how much you eat is as important as the timing of the food that you, you take on board. So all areas are really important. So those would be my key um, lessons from, from this episode, Aileen. Thanks, Karen. Thanks so much for summarising. And uh, all of that information is really, really going to be so helpful to everybody as they get on with improving their performance uh, so thanks again and uh, take care well, everybody this brings us to the end of another episode of she runs eats performs brought to you by runners health hub helping female runners to be fitter faster and stronger we really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon in the meantime we'd be so grateful if you check us out on itunes and leave a review and once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. 
All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.